Hey, 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 welcome to the Pastor Duke Podcast. I'm so glad you tuned me in today, tonight, or whenever it is that you're listening to my voice. You know, COVID shut me down a bit. Uh, wasn't able to go out on the road and preach, and I'd always record where I've been. I'd record how many people I ministered to, and at the end of a year, I'd had anywhere from fifteen to 25,000 people that I ministered to, but COVID took that all away. God put on my heart, brought the right people into my life to help me get started to podcast. And just a few days ago, I won over 14,000 downloads. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being my podcast family. I'm told by the podcast gurus that for every download you get, about four people listen to your message. So that puts me up around 55,000 in seven months. That's way, way more people than I would have ever ministered to live So it is with great joy that I carry on this speaking of God's word to to the hearts of all that want to tune me in. I hope I can be a blessing to you today. I desire in my podcast to do at least monthly prophetic updates, but kind of also there's things that have been on my heart through the years that have been a great blessing to me, to others. We kind of call them sugar stick messages. Uh, I don't want them just to be one and done, but putting them up on a podcast 24-7 anywhere in the world. And today I want to share with you one of those. It's uh, uh, on the topic of being a hero. It's from Second Kings chapter 5, the story of Naaman the leper, a Syrian. He wasn't even Jewish. He's a pagan. He's a lost guy. A miracle happens. This old guy gets saved. But, you know, the, the thing about this story that throws my heart is there's a hero in the story, and it's not at all who you would think it would be. I think of my own life as a child. I wanted to be a hero. You know, I wanted to hit the Grand Slam home run in the bottom of the ninth inning in the World Series. and I did, but my mom would always wake me up, and uh, my dream would be over. I wanted to be a a hero. I wanted to rescue somebody. I wanted to save somebody's life. I wanted to uh, uh, score the winning touchdown, make the the basket as the buzzer's running to win the basketball game. And I just really never was a sports hero. I certainly wasn't even close to being an academic hero. You know, my older sister was valedictorian of her class. How could she do that to her little brothers? That's not fair at all. But you know what? God's thoughts are not our thoughts, neither his ways our ways. As the heavens are high above the earth, even so are his ways above our ways and his thoughts above our thoughts. You know, in heaven, we're not going to stand in line to get uh, uh, autographs from uh, sports stars here who led the NBA in free throw shooting or anything like that. Uh, You look at the ministry of Jesus, the greatest giver in all the New Testament uh, was a widow with two mites. And the story today about Naaman is one of those fabulous stories that has thrilled my heart through the ages, and I hope I can make it come real to you today. It says in chapter 5, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. God works even among pagan nations to use them Occasionally along the way, he used pagan Persia to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. He used pagan Babylon to bring judgment upon his disobedient children, Judah. And so God was working in this guy's heart before he even knew there was a true and living God. So we would look at Naaman and say, man, 
This guy's got it all. He's on top of the world. He's got everything. He's well-known. He's famous. He's rich. He's uh, powerful. People listen when he speaks. The king loves him. The king leans on him. He's like number two in all the nation of Syria. So, you know, this guy's just got it happening. Everything on the outside is great. But it says in the last phrase of that verse, but he was a leper. We've got to stop for a moment. Leprosy. Leprosy is uh, like a death sentence, a slow, agonizing death sentence. In our world today, we kind of fear the word cancer. In their day, they feared leprosy. There was no cure for leprosy. They needed a miracle. It was going to, it was strongly contagious. They'd have to be quarantined. They'd have to be separate from their family, living usually out in the outskirts of town. People would bring them food and leave it. You had to stay uh, bodily away from them, <laughs> extreme social distancing. Uh, so Naaman has everything, but in reality he has nothing because he's a leper. Now leprosy is interesting. It's kind of set aside from other diseases in the Bible by the way the Bible deals with it. Uh, when diseases were healed, it uses the word healed. Uh, Jesus healed uh, all manner of sickness. But when Jesus took care of leprosy, he didn't use the word healed. He always used the word cleansed. See, leprosy is a picture of sin. Sin can't be healed. Sin must be cleansed. Without the uh, shedding of blood, there's no cleansing, no forgiveness of sins. So leprosy is very specially dealt with in the Bible, and Naaman was a leper. Well, by application of the story, all of us start out in the story uh, we're there, kind of in Naaman's shoes, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, leprosy can kill the body. Slow, agonizing sores that fester, circulation stops in fingertips and toes, and there would be uh, amputations of, of fingers. It was horrible sores. The ears, the tips of the ears and things would uh, sort of rot off. It was horrible. And uh, it was like a death sentence. He had it all but he had nothing. He was a leper. So we're all kind of in this story in Naaman's shoes. We've all sinned. Come short of the glory of God. Leprosy can kill the body, but sin is even worse than that. Sin's going to kill the soul and take us ultimately to hell one day. Of course, that's why Jesus came to, to fix our sin problem, to pay the penalty for our sins, uh, that we could believe on him, receive him by faith into our heart, to pass from death unto life, to be born again by the Spirit of God. Our body would be his temple. We'd be born into his family and have eternal life. But the Old Testament has so many pictures of this, and this is one of those beautiful pictures. Naaman, commander of the army, he has it all. And it says here in this verse, um, the Lord had given them victories over uh, many of their enemies. One of their enemies was Israel. These are Israel's enemies. Remember, Jesus said, love your enemies. And so uh, on one of his uh, military raids down in Israel, we see that there had been a military success. We continue verse 2 to begin to find out what was going on on one of those military campaigns. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. He captured a little young Jewish girl on one of his military raids, took her home. She's what we would call today a slave. Boy, that's a bad situation. <laughs> I think I'd have a bit of a chip on my shoulder if I, as a young man, was 
captured by an enemy force and forced into slavery. I think I'd cop an attitude about that. But she turns out to be a pretty special girl. She is a slave to Naaman. And she said to her mistress, this would be Naaman's wife, if only my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. So we see the first character in our story, Naaman, who has it all, but he has nothing. He's a leper. Then we see the second person of our story, the little maid. Her name is not even given, but she's going to turn out to be the hero of the story. She is a slave girl. She's in a bad situation, but she has a good attitude. I learned from her and from others in Scripture, God alone is enough to have a good attitude no matter what. She had seen her people fall to a pagan military force. She perhaps heard some of the prophets speaking warnings to her people in Israel. They chose not to listen. Uh, The prophets had warned them, if you don't listen, you're going to fall. God's judgment will come. They didn't listen. And she saw the words of the prophet fulfilled by way of judgment. She heard God's promise, even though it was negative, God kept his promise. Judgment did come and she learned from it. She didn't have a, a sense that I deserve better than this. She just made the best of the situation she was in. She knew that God was big. She knew God kept his word, even though it was judgment. She knew that God was good and that she knew that God could bring blessing. He would hear prayers. He can change things. He could heal even leprosy. Now, if I'd have been in her shoes, I'd thinking, oh, he's got leprosy because he'd come home at night, take off his gloves, and she'd kind of see the sores and She's even a little bit at risk, and he's kind of hiding this thing from the public because he knows that when it's found out, he's going to be put in quarantine. His job is over. His life, pretty much as he knew it before, would be over. So he's trying to hide this thing. Probably he went to a doctor and paid him not to tell and try to get better and clean him up, give him some medication. It didn't work. It went from bad to worse. He's sort of hiding this. He comes home at night. She sees his medical condition. If I'd have been in her shoes, I'd think, let his face rot off. You know, he deserves this. But she loved her enemy. Isn't that kind of what Jesus said? If you love those who love you back, what profit have you? But we, we can go beyond that. We can love our enemies. It's it's just not us against them. We're in this world, but we're not of the world. This world's not our home. We're just passing through. Jesus gives us eternal life. And if somebody loves us, we can bless them. If they hate us, we can bless them too and pray for those who despitefully use us. That's what she did. She had that spirit. She had a sensitivity. She had a sense of God in the midst. All she'd seen is God's judgment, but she's got a good attitude. She has her eyes on the Lord and not herself. She's not having a big pity party. Oh me, my dreams are shattered. My parents are dead. I, I, I'm a slave. I'll never have this. I'll never have that. And my boyfriend, I'll never see me. She just like adjusted to what her circumstances were in the moment. We would look at her and say, she has nothing. She's a slave. But in reality, she has everything. She has faith, faith that God was big. He was good. He loved her. And Even though the circumstances now are bad, God's bigger than that. He can fix it. So she's trusting him in the midst of this. So she speaks to Naaman's wife. This is amazing to me. She speaks to the 
commander of the army's wife, and they listen to her. Mrs. Naaman listens to her, brings her to Naaman. Naaman, the captain of the army, listens to her. I think that speaks to this girl's character. They had like this respect for her. Like, she's different. We worship gods that we can see, uh, little statues they make. She worships a god she cannot see. If her god was so powerful, why would her people be subject to us? Obviously, our gods must be stronger because we conquered you. But they didn't realize it was God's, the real God's judgment upon his people for disobedience. He hadn't figured that out yet, but she did. And she loved her enemy. And she pointed him to We'd say Jesus today. She pointed him to the God of heaven. They, okay, you got gods that you can see and they have faces, but, but they have eyes they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. They have mouths, but they can't speak. I, I worship a God I cannot see. He's the real God. He's powerful. He created the heavens and the earth. If you turn to him, he's got the power to, to cleanse you from leprosy. She speaks and he listens. Isn't that the way we want to live? to make the best of our situation, have a good attitude no matter what, that when we speak, people would listen because they have something to gain from what we say. So he uh, he listens to her. All other hope is gone. And so he's ready to go. She sends him down to Israel, and uh, he gets together the big entourage, got the chariots, got lots of gifts to give to the prophet, changes of raiment, silver and gold, foods and all valuable things. So he goes down to the, the king in Israel. And the king totally freaks out. What are you doing here? It's bad enough. You've raided. Don't, what are you doing here again? And he said, well, I came to be cleansed of my leprosy. And the king freaks out even more. What are you talking about? I can't do that. I, I, you know, that's a miracle. And, and Naaman said, well, I heard there's a prophet here. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the king sends him to the prophet Elijah. So Naaman, the whole team... The entourage, the parade arrives at the prophet's humble home. The prophet is tipped off by God's Holy Spirit. He knows what's going to happen even before it happens. So Naaman shows up and he sends his representative to the door to knock on the prophet's house. And the prophet wouldn't, and this is not a big mansion, folks. This is like a little cabin. And uh, the prophet doesn't even come out to greet him. He sends his servant Gehazi out to see Naaman. Naaman is uh, offended. Wait a minute. I came to see the prophet, not the assistant prophet. I want to see the man. But see, that's not how God works. We don't come to God on our terms. We come to God on his terms. The assistant prophet Gehazi said, hey, you've come, you've got leprosy. You can be cleansed. Here's what you got to do. Go down to the Jordan River, dip yourself seven times, and when you come up, you'll be cleansed, you'll be whole. And Naaman hears this, but he's not really listening. He's angry because he had it all figured out in his heart. The prophet will come out. There'll be some kind of an aura about him. He'll speak in a voice that you'll never forget. He'll raise his voice, and in the name of the God of heaven, the living true God of, uh, of all glory, be ye healed and it's not at all what was going to happen. Naaman is angry. He's just ready to go home and forget all about this. This is stupid. I'm wasting my time. Why did I even come here? And one of his servants, one of his soldiers, interestingly said, oh, excuse me, sir, 
not to break rank, but uh, we came all this way. Uh, we have received instructions. You've got leprosy. What do you have to lose? Why, why don't we just go ahead down to the Jordan? It's not far. And we'll dip and just see what happens. Oh, I don't know. That's crazy. And But he realizes uh, I have come this way. And his servant soldier was right and said, okay, I'll go ahead and do it, but it doesn't make any sense. We've got better rivers back in Syria, and this that's just a mud hole down there, the Jordan, but that's what the prophet's servant said, so we'll go down, and he does. He goes down the river. I hope this is on videotape. I'd like to watch it someday in heaven, and uh, he dips. He comes up out of the water. Nothing happened at all. He dips two times, three times. Nothing happens at all. He's probably getting discouraged, and ah, this isn't working. I'm just making a fool of myself coming down here, but uh, the servant says uh, he, he he didn't say three times, uh, Captain. He said uh, seven times, so let's, let's just, just keep on going. Five, six times. Nothing happened. I'm wasting my time, but not six. He said seven. So he goes down. The seventh time comes up. He can't believe what happened. He's cleansed. The Bible says his skin was like a baby skin. The sores are gone. They're healed. He's cleansed from his leprosy. He's thrilled. They jump back on the chairs. They flee back to the prophet's house. They offer him all this uh, money. Hey, here's the gold. Here's the silver. Here's the changes of raiments. Here's all the goodies. And what does the prophet say? Natak in Swedish. Uh, no thanks in English. Just keep your money. He's shocked. That's not like today's uh, present uh, televangelist on TV, et cetera. They'll take your money. And they'll give you false lies. You send us money so God will bless you. Uh, nah, don't go into that. So he tries to give money. He's thankful. But the prophet won't take it. See, that's a picture of something very important here. For by grace are we saved through faith. That not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. God had just given him the gift of cleansing and healing. And it's interesting in the same chapter, verse 15, Naaman says, now I know the Lord is the true God of heaven and earth. And now, therefore, please take this gift from your servant. And, of course, the prophet won't take it. Now, the servant Gehazi is listening to this. He's like, take the money. Maybe you don't want it, but I'll take it. You know, I don't get a, I don't get paid a whole lot. Don't let this go to waste. You don't know, uh, the Lord helps those who help themselves get, take the money, take the money. And he's shocked. And he's a little bit upset that the prophet Elijah won't take the money. And so, uh, Naaman's like, okay, okay. And he's happy. He just can't wait to get home. He's, he's packing it in. They're heading back to Syria as soon as possible. And Gehazi is watching this, and uh, he's got a little bit troubled. Now, we need to stop and look at this guy for just a moment. Gehazi's uh, mentor is Elisha, the prophet Elisha. Elisha's mentor was Elijah the prophet. Elijah the prophet did seven miracles, and he was renowned in Israel, great prophet Elijah. He trained, he mentored Elisha. Elisha is... Uh, <laughs> Asked by the Lord, what do you want? And Elisha says, I want a double portion of, of what God did for Elijah. 
I want a double portion. And God was pleased with that. And God gave Elisha a double portion. He did 14 miracles. Now Gehazi is his uh, mentee. <laughs> He's mentoring Gehazi. And Gehazi's in line to be the next prophet. And I think my prayer would have been, uh, Lord, give me a double portion of what you did for Elisha. That would be 28 miracles. That's how I'm thinking but he's all messed up. He doesn't have his eyes on God. He's got his eyes on the money. Greed gets into his heart. And he just saw Elisha turn down all that money and Naaman's ready to give it all. So he watches Elisha, who seems to be an older prophet now, take a nap. I can sure relate to afternoon nap. And while Elisha is napping, Gehazi jumps on a horse or donkey or camel, whatever he had. He books, heads back to catch up with Naaman, and he does. Naaman's group stop. They welcome him in. What do we can do for you? And Gehazi lies through his teeth. Gehazi says, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, Elisha the prophet changed his mind on all that money and those clothes. we got some other younger prophets coming in to be trained and uh, to work with us, and we need uh, we can go ahead and use We change our mind. We'll take that money after all. And so Naaman's happy to do that. He takes that money, those gifts, those clothes. He gives them to Gehazi. And Gehazi's like, yes, I cashed in. I made that work. I didn't lose that opportunity. So he takes all that back, hides it in his tent, and, you know, uh, the prophet Elisha will never know what happened. Elisha wakes up from his nap. Gehazi comes in. Hey, what's happening? The prophet Elisha says, hey, uh, where you been, man? Gehazi lies. Oh, nowhere, man. Just been hanging out, just chilling. And Elisha says, you big fat liar. You went up there and you took that money, didn't you? Busted, we would say in my day. And judgment came through the prophet Elisha, who loved Gehazi. Judgment came. and He said the leprosy that was upon Naaman will be upon you. And it was so. And God's judgment came upon the unfaithful, a prophet-to-be Gehazi. And he never wound up with any ministry at all. He was in line to have it all. And he wound up with nothing because of his greed. So you see the contrast in the story, the three major characters. Naaman, he's got it all, but he's got nothing. He's a leper. He's going to be soon exiled, uh, living as a vagabond in quarantine, separated from family and friends, and just live out his days in ultimate pain and sickness and die. He had nothing, but he, he had everything, but he had nothing because... He was a leper. Then we meet the little maid. She's got nothing. She's a slave. She lost it all. But she has everything because she has faith. She has a personal relationship with the living God, and it's real. She's not out for herself. She's out to help Naaman, even though he's her enemy. She had such a testimony that when she spoke, they listened. And then we have Gehazi, who was in line to have it all. But he winds up with leprosy he winds up was worse than nothing because of his greed now my favorite part of the story isn't even written in the scriptures except this Naaman goes home so we just have to read between the lines I can't be absolutely sure on this but I'm 99% sure because I know human nature 
He's on his way home. He can't wait. He can't believe what just happened, man. You know, no exile for me, no quarantine for me. I am cleansed. Uh, I've met the, the God of heaven. He's given to me eternal life. This is amazing, you know, and he's trying to connect all the dots and I'm captain. I get sent down. I beat up these people. I take this little girl captive and tells me about the God of heaven and I'm cleansed. My wife is going to be thrilled. My kids are going to be thrilled. This is fantastic. They're getting home as soon as possible. And so they're, they're coming in and uh, Naaman's wife, his kids are there. They're waiting. They're watching. They don't know if this is going to be a day or two, a week, a month. Uh, and so we're not told the, the time frame, but we know they're watching. And so the event happens. We know that happens. He returns home. I'm reading a little bit between the lines, but give me some space. You're going to love this. I love it too. So he's coming home. They're watching. They're up on the rooftop. They can see uh, coming down the road, the dust coming up from the road is the, the entourage is coming with the horses and the chariots. So they get closer and she's watching. Is this good news or bad news? They're coming pretty fast. That seems like maybe it's good news. If it was bad news, they maybe I don't want to get my hopes up too high, but what's going to happen? So they're getting closer and closer. She runs down. She sees Naaman pull up in the chariot. He, he's there. They, he stops. He rips off his gloves. His hands are whole. He shouts, hallelujah. I'm cleansed. It, it worked. I'm, I'm well. And she's watching all this. She runs up and hugs her husband and he grabs her and spins her around. The kids are running around. They're grabbing hold of daddy's legs. They're, they're hugging on him. They're rejoicing. They're celebrating. My dad has leprosy. He's cleansed. It's a miracle. We're so happy. We had the wrong gods. Now we met the real God. They're so happy. And then I can just see this part I'm reading between the lines. The little maid whose name is not even given, who had nothing. She walks out, stands in the doorway, and Naaman's celebrating with his wife and his kids. And he sees her. Everything stops. He's still. He kind of peels gently his wife and children's arms from his he looks at her and they stop and they see that he's watching her and they understand this is a sacred moment. They just stop and they look at her and they look at dad. They look at Naaman who's looking at her and she comes out and she smiles. Her God came through, healed her master. She has a smile and Naaman gets a tear in his eye. How I see it. He doesn't know what to say. He doesn't say anything for a moment. He steps down from the chariot, walks through his family straight to her, and embraces her. He loves her. If it wouldn't be for her, I'd have no life. She's the hero. She had nothing, but she had everything because she had faith and she had love for people, even her enemies. Naaman pretty well could have killed her parents. Definitely took her captive, but she loved him anyway. I can't prove this, but you can't prove me wrong, so leave me alone. I think her slavery was over. I think Naaman says to her, you're no longer my servant. You're no longer our slave. You're free to go. You're free to stay, but you're not going to be my slave. I'll adopt you as my daughter, but you're no longer a slave here. She had nothing, but she had everything. She's the hero of the story. Isn't that how God works? Unlikely people he uses. Greatest giver in the New Testament, a widow with two mites. A thousand Philistines are threatening to kill Samson. He finds a jawbone of a donkey, and uh, that's the only weapon he needed. Little as much when God is in it. God takes unsuspecting people. There's a giant in the valley threatening the armies of Israel named Goliath, and he takes a little 
shepherd boy, David, maybe 15, about 400 pounds less weight than Goliath. A sling, it just took one stone to take him down. What a God. You know, in this world, I'll never be a hero. Uh, I never hit the home runs I dreamed about, never scored the touchdowns, never scored the hoops, never scored the goals. I just was an average guy when it came to all of that and never academic who was on top of things. But you know what I can do? I can worship. I can tell people about Jesus. I can pray. And God can take a little old nobody me, a little nobody from nowheresville, fill me up with Jesus, take me to another state, take me to the capital of New York, a very blue, very dark, the most spiritually dark city in America, we're told by Barna's survey. And I come to this place, I can tell people about Jesus. I won't be the smartest guy in town. I won't be the strongest guy in town. I won't be the wealthiest guy in town. But I can be full of Jesus. And I can tell people about Jesus. And the little maid, that's what she did to Naaman. She's the hero of the story. I think there's a sub-hero too. I think the sub-hero was that other soldier when Naaman was ready to walk away from it all. He, he just kind of took a little bit of a risk to confront the commanding officer and say, excuse me, sir, not to break rank, but uh, we came all this way. and uh, that's, Why don't we just do what the prophet said? That's good counsel. Do what the scriptures say. And that's interesting. Um, can't wait to get on the other side. I, I, I kind of think maybe he became a believer too as he witnessed the power of God upon his commanding officer. Don't know for sure. Isn't that an amazing story? And God recorded those stories in history for us to, to learn from. And he's writing a story through you. He's writing a story through me. I'll never be a hero. Maybe you'll never be a hero in this world. But you know what? All of us could be heroes by having a good attitude no matter what. We can... Um, be heroes because we tell people about Jesus because we die to self and allow Jesus to live in us and live through us. And people are watching. And if somebody sees Jesus in you and comes to Jesus because of you, I guarantee you will be that person's hero, but only for eternity. <laughs> I love that phrase, but only for eternity. So thanks for letting me share with you today one of my favorite Bible stories. I hope God will use me to build a blessing to you. I hope God will use you to be a blessing to me that you would like, subscribe, share my podcast with your friends, with your family. Don't forget about my children's stories up on podcast. I have five of them, about two or three more to go. My grandson's uh, teacher plays them in the public schools for the kids to hear, and you can use them to be a blessing to your kids and grandkids. I think you'll like them too. So for now, God bless. See you next time. Bye-bye. Love ya.